Hey, drama listeners. This is just a quick message from me, Dylan, before we jump into today's episode with original Wicked Broadway cast member, Chris Fitzgerald, which if you don't know, he was the original Bach in the musical, but has done a bazillion other Broadway shows, including Waitress and Finian's Rainbow. He's going to be in Spam a lot. He was in Young Frankenstein. I mean, the list goes on and on. And we are so lucky to have had the chance to chat with him today. We're continuing our celebration of Wicked at 20 years, which has been such a surreal and magical time for us. And if you want to help support the podcast, as we're about to head into our fourth year, we would love if you became a supporter on our Patreon. All the information is in the notes below where you'll get bonus episodes, join our Instagram close friends, and have the eternal love and devotion of Connor and I. It um, would really mean a lot if you would consider giving $5 a month to help us keep the podcast rolling as we head into this next year. All right, let's get on with the show and enjoy Chris Fitzgerald. Press play. Curtain up an hour in. It's time to taste in. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got on the option? No, oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I am Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Connor, we're smack dab in the middle of our wicked series that we're doing this month to commemorate two decades of the smash broadway musical that you and i both love so much and you know we've gotten our hands on some iconic guests and the word iconic is thrown around a lot it is it is tossed around Mm -hmm. a lot these days but this is an icon yeah this this guest has not lost their luster by any means because this is someone who has you know made rare podcast appearances over the years but many broadway appearances you know, we knew we could get the exclusive here. So yes. we're getting in. You know, although I first knew about him in Wicked, I did see him in Waitress probably half a dozen times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we Which were... is a lot of times to go see a show and spend money, yeah. to be honest. There are probably too many. Should I be admitting that publicly? No, yeah, for sure. We were supporting the arts. <laughs> well, yeah. we, you had to go back and see, you know, the different, mm-hmm. different women playing Jenna. But you could always so... count on Drew Galing. Oh, our yeah. guest today being there holding down the fort like this like Period. the strong men protecting the house while the women were away <laughs> oh my god <laughs> while the women were away right uh-huh, uh-huh. all right dylan i'm gonna just jump in yes this is this I'm is so this excited is we were teeing him up but i'm gonna tell you that our guest today is a broadway mainstay a three-time tony award nominee four-time drama desk award winner has an outer critic circle award amongst many more nominations under his belt. It's hard to say what he's best known for as he has cemented himself on Broadway as a standout, playing Bach in Wicked, Ogie in Waitress, Igor in Young Frankenstein, and Og, Og? Og in Finian's Rainbow. His ability to transform time and time again has led to appearances in the latest company revival as David, Chicago as both Billy Flynn and Amos Hart, and Active God, The Merchant of Venice, Amor, Barnum, Gutenberg the Musical, Saturday Night, Minsky's, Fully Committed, Corpus Christi, The Cripple of Anishman, and so many more plays, musicals, and readings. You will recognize our guests from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Godless, Happy, The Good Wife, Twins, Revolutionary Road, Let Them All Talk, Girl Most Likely, and more. This year... 
You can see him back on Broadway, this time as Patsy in the revival of Spamalot the Musical. Please welcome to drama, Christopher, Christopher Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. Hello. You guys have like, you when you started with your drama, there was a dissonant kind of harmonic thing going. And then on my name, you also repeated that exact harmonic. Wow. Is that, do you guys practice that? Is that something that is just natural that that's that's like one of your gifts it's, it's just one of our party tricks and when i say gifts i mean like the thing that you text somebody no <laughs> i'm glad that you call it a gift not a gif but that would be a problem but the you know, there's those gif people. is the og versus og of 2023 there you go it's exactly it because i you know i tried to tell you that it was og or og i don't know we settled on og but it could be Og. Wow, that was a conversation that happened. Yeah, that was a conversation that happened. You're right. And oh my God. I think it was, I think it, I can't remember who, um, who who made the final determination, but it might have been like Kate Baldwin or something. I feel like she oh, put just her do foot it. down. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, it's just Og. Just have it be that. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that video of them singing Old Devil Moon on Broadway.com or wherever it was a million times in my youth. Oh my God. They were... That was just, that was so special. What a tune. Every single, every single tune in that show was just like a total banger. It was amazing. Yeah. And that was, that an encores to Broadway thing? It was an encores to Broadway thing. Okay. Yes. But I wasn't involved in it when it was at encores. I, I was doing something else. I don't remember what. Probably, you know, we probably listed it off in this resume. I mean, you've done a lot. Can we call you Chris, Maybe. by the way? Or is it, do you prefer Christopher? Sure. Chris is fine. Okay. Chris, thank you for complimenting our harmonic unison. Chris! <laughs> Drama! There you go. Really, it was wild. You're I wanted to add a third almost. I was just going to come in and add a third, but you know, when we end the show, we also say drama and you can join us. All on right. That one. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll join yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chris, we always like to check in with our guests. Are you well? I am well. I'm doing very well. My wife, Jessica Stone, is a director, and she directed uh, Kimberly Kimbo last year. And she's also working right now on Water for Elephants, yes. which is uh, going to be beginning rehearsals in January, I think. But I have two boys, Emmett, who is a freshman at LaGuardia High School, and my son, Charlie, who is a junior at Millennium High School here in Brooklyn. And I'm about to start Spam a lot. So basically, everything's fine. But it's rich. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's a rich time for the family. Like everyone's got a lot going on. I kind of liken it to like being and everything's good. Like it's, it's, it's a lot of beautiful bounty, but it's a little bit like when someone gives you like, like a huge giant piece of chocolate cake and I love chocolate cake. And you're like, oh my God, I can't get enough of this chocolate cake. And then suddenly you're like, my tummy's hurting a little bit. Like, I think I'm done with the chocolate cake. And they're like, no, eat more, have some more. And you're like, oh, I love it so much. But boy, it's just very rich. It's very dense <laughs> and it's delicious. And I love it. But, oh, I don't know if my body can process it. <laughs> but that's how I'm doing right now. <laughs> you're that boy, you're that young boy from Matilda who's eating the cake, right? You're right. I'm exactly, mm -hmm. that's who I am. I <laughs> am a huge fan of your wife. She's a star. And I'm so excited for the both of you that you're going to have such a thrilling season on Broadway and your shows won't be competing. So that's good. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's so far, it's, it's going to be a really exciting season of variety of stuff. It's like, I don't know the last time 
I have heard of so many new shows opening, especially musicals. Yeah. And so I'm I'm thrilled, you know, and I just hope it ignites a kind of continued just pull to our to Midtown and have have it just be an exciting place for for people to keep coming totally. to for sure because boy we, we need it we need it i know it feels like oh broadway's back broadway's back but like it, it's not back to what it was before the pandemic you know what i mean so it's it's there still needs to be like a continuous stream of income to the arts in yeah general, i in think we all lost a, we lost a little bit of the habit of going mm-hmm. i mean legitimately and so when you kind of stop that particular behavior kind of you know if we lose 10 percent of those who came before where you know it's a it's a crisis yeah in terms of like how, how we can how we can afford to do larger shows with larger casts and big budgets and do exciting and take big swings at things so yeah it's just getting people back into the habit and getting it so that it's it's something that people just do it's just a part of their fabric of their lives like we gotta go see a show because it's it's that it's thrilling it's that immediate you know yeah Yeah. i'm happy that you've been steadily working those even even, because waitress was one of the first shows to come back two years ago it It was it was i mean i think it was the first musical back yeah that sounds right um yeah it was it was very that was a very thrilling and very heady emotional time for sure Mm -hmm. i mean it's hard to even remember if I place myself back there, I'm like, whoa, it's, it, I, I forget how intense that was mm-hmm. to be back in the room with everyone and to hear people singing together, making stuff again was really like overwhelming almost. And then company came, company came right okay. on the heels of that as well. So you just did like two months of waitress or like a little while? I think, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Were you in company oh pre-COVID? I was, yes. Were, okay. Look at you yeah. doing double duty there. I love that. Yes. That was, uh, yeah, that was a nice, like unexpected thing. I mean, we were all kind of, the, the group of company was gearing up for rehearsals and getting ready. And then I got a call about waitress that they were going to try to just kind of squeeze it in there. Um, and so we made it work, but it was definitely my first day at company. We arrive, we're like all sitting there. We come into the room. There's Addy, there's Katrina. We've got the whole gang. It's just so exciting. And the COVID person came in and was like, um, Chris, uh, you have tested positive for COVID and you um, need to leave. And I had to literally just stand up and walk out and then go retest. And then it turns out I was negative at that point, but <laughs> it was a, but that was also the moment where everybody was just like so heightened and stressed mm-hmm. that I was like in a room with them singing, you know, <laughs> sorry, grateful. Sorry, uh-huh. grateful. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like I have so many questions about so many of your credits. I think I want to start and go way, way, way back to the beginning when you okay. figured out that you were interested in the arts and then we can jump forward from there okay we call it ring of keys on this show because we like to think of it as that moment of recognition when you saw something or you were consuming something and you realized you needed the arts to be a part of your life do you feel like you had that experience as a kid or a little older or at any point really um i think i've had lots of keys moments that have just kind of guided my way i mean i grew up in maine in portland maine and I was very fascinated by, uh, on Sunday mornings, you had all the ninth shows from the 1950s, the reruns, Abbott and Costello, your show of shows, 
um, Jackie Gleason comedy hour. That's one of my earliest memories is like sitting there watching this material and just being really just finding it fascinating and, and, and hilarious. And then I guess the first moment was was I, I, I got into a, like a clown class. I think my mom put me in some kind of clown class when I was five because I was just such, a, you know, so nutty and so out of control. And she was trying to figure out ways to kind of <laughs> exercise whatever this thing that this little tiny bean of a crazy person was exercising. <laughs> and so I, I remember that. I remember then I auditioned for Oliver when I was eight at the local community theater and, and I was really scared to audition. I just remember that somebody finally just coming, like holding my hand and being like, come on, you can just give it a try. And then I was like, oh, I'll give it a try. Where is it? Like, and then I was just like launching. I was like, yep, this is feeling good. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I just did a lot of different things. I did new vaudeville stuff. So like storytelling and juggling and, physical comedy stuff. And then I sang in an acapella group for a while in high school. Like that was our, like, that was like my high school job was to go around and sing on the street and try to make money and sing at festivals in the summer in Maine. And then I went to college and did more kind of musical theater performance stuff. And then I went to grad school and got kind of into acting, you know, and like kind of like revealing myself and getting in touch with that kind of stuff. And <laughs> I had so many moments that were just like, I'm gonna, let me try this, or this might be interesting. I'll try that. So there's lots of those moments, very varied, you know, and really odd. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but as you're talking about this, you're like clown school, new vaudeville, all these different experiences. I've seen you play them out on stage. I feel like you're such a rounded performer. You've you've lived uh, an artistic life here, Chris. Well, so that's my little grab bag of stuff. You know, it's the it's the stuff that just jazzes me, you know, and the stuff that just like still to this day is that like kind of thread all the way back to like watching Jackie Gleason just do something silly with his body and just mm -hmm. kind of being jazzed by that. And so that stuff still, you know, but then it's layers of other things, you know, it's then layers of, of grad school training and, and kind of classical stuff and then layers of just like singing but not in musical theater, but like singing with my little acapella group because I loved to sing and nobody was going to, there was nobody like telling me to sing. There was no, you know, uh, system. We just did it because we, it just, we just like thought it was cool and we enjoyed it and we enjoyed it. And your parents encouraged it. Th yes, they did. My mom definitely did encouraged all of it, but you know, really like, what's she going to do? Like, this was like, I was... <laughs> <laughs> I was on my way, you know, she was like, I mm -hmm. think I'd rather you not sing. I would be like, well, let me tell you something, mama. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Do, it's a terrible so, joke. I'm sorry. Then when you went, that Oliver audition, <laughs> yeah. though, like you knew you could sing or you at least enjoyed it. Like, I guess. Like what led to that? You know what I mean? Like, did you just hear about this audition or was it somebody from clown class? Or? Well, this particular theater was... So my parents divorced when I was very young. My dad was a, a B-52 pilot in Vietnam and, and he came back from the war and my parents split, but they lived relatively close. And my dad worked at this theater a lot, did a lot of, played Will Parker in Oklahoma and did a bunch of stuff. It was McMurphy and Cuckoo's Nest. And so I was around the space when I was very young, watching from the light booth and just kind of soaking in that whole experience. And I just I thought it was marvelous, a marvelous place. So while that was happening, you know, my mom was here doing clown class and like kind of trying to figure out other ways to kind of really 
keep me stimulated. And so that's kind of where, I don't know. It's like I watched people sing. I started to want to sing myself. I think I started lessons at some point. Just, just, And then it all just kind of came together in that one faithful audition for Oliver, which I then played the like just one of the, the Fagan's boys, right? And I had a little bowler hat. And I just remember <laughs> I was like, during performances, I was so cheeky, like blinking at the audience and like doing little sly looks and little head shakes and nods. And the guy, the guy playing Fagan one night, like after the show, grabbed me by the scruff and was like, when I'm talking, you don't move. You understand me? I was like, sorry, sorry. And then in my mind, I'm like, yeah, we'll see about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's so cute. Ch- I love Just that. a cheeky little bitch I was. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm going to give you, I'm, I'm not, you're not going to stop this madness. It's, it felt too good, I guess. For sure. And I'm sure that people, you could see people reacting to you as well. I Yeah. I think that's kind of where the little, just that little like, oh, this feels good mm-hmm. kind of thing. I read that you, you truly, you like learned the difference between like performing and acting once you got to college. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. I think, <laughs> I think all through high school uh, and in the college, I was kind of like, Acting was performing in a way. Mm-hmm. It was like showing something. It was presenting my silliness or my energy. And in college, I began to kind of understand the other side of it. And that that, that became another journey of just like how I developed, I feel like. Sure. Do you remember yeah. what the first Broadway show you saw was? I think it might have been, well, I think it might have been a tour of Les Mis. Okay. I had one of those great moments where my mom came down to my bedroom. I think I was like a freshman in high school and she, uh, I lived in the basement. <laughs> I was living in the basement and she kind of came down and sauntered down and had this double cassette tape of Les Mis and was just like, Oh, here I had this thing. You might find it interesting. I don't know. And I just remember like popping it in and just kind of, mm, this is, uh, this is okay. Like not quite sure what's going. And then, I just could never stop listening to it. Mm-hmm. Like it just was like, and then we went to Boston to see the tour of it. And I think that was like my first, like, holy shit, this is, this is like so exciting, but it's interesting. I never had a dream of being on Broadway. I never had this like kind of vision of like someday I'm going to be up there in lights. It's just that never was my, I don't know. It's so interesting to me even to to talk about it or think about it. I just never had like a clear vision. I just know I followed things that tickled me or jazzed me. That was the thing. So, so if it was like a new thing that I was going to follow that for a while. And, and I guess it just has led me here in some ways um, on this podcast. Yeah. And now here talking to drama. <laughs> <laughs> if I could well, loop it, I would do just a little dissonance. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was your New York stage debut? Like off Broadway or off off Broadway or Broadway sure. or whatever. Yeah. But my first, I first think credit. My first credit was so I had been working at the Williamstown Theater Festival mm-hmm. uh, at that point when I moved here for a couple of summers. And so I'd met a lot of people that are still dear friends of mine and people that I still collaborate with to this day. And so I came to the city and they, uh, some of my friends from NYU grad school were working with a a clown teacher named Chris Bays, 
who still teaches. He's an amazing director, amazing clown teacher and clown himself. And he directed this show called Z Beldone. So it was all mask clown work that we were doing. And I just kind of hopped in and just did it and did it for a couple of nights. And that was like my first credit. And I just was, it was so exciting because all these like NYU kind of cool, cool, cool cats were, were doing it. So that's, that was my first real New York credit. So fun. Well, I mentioned earlier that the first time I was familiar with you was Wicked. And I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but, you know, we're celebrating 20 years on Broadway with Wicked. I would love to chat with you a little bit about what you remember about the experience. When did you first get involved with the show? I believe that I had done a play with Joe Mantello at Manhattan Theater Club called Corpus Christi. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Oh, yes. I, yeah. That was a controversial piece, wasn't it? I, I mean, hugely. Uh, it's actually yeah. a really fascinating story, maybe for another podcast. But, <laughs> Ooh, um, but uh, well, it was. It's actually like an amazing. It, it was an amazing experience where a play had such an effect on the community. It had such a polarizing thing that happened. You know, our opening night. 5,000 people were protesting the play on 55th Street, uh, right outside the theater. 5,000 people. And then there was a counter protest on one street over that I think we had maybe 500 or so. So we had to walk through all these people. We had security guards watching the audience watch the play. And it was all because Terrence McNally wrote this play about a Jesus-like figure in his hometown of Corpus Christi, Texas. And kind of retold that story through his lens. And it just really, really got people upset uh, and engaged. And yeah. on both sides, you know, people kind mm -hmm. of demanding that we have, when we tell stories, we have the right to tell stories. Um, and hmm. You have the right, right to not buy a ticket. Um, and at the same time, religious leaders were like, you are blaspheming, you know, what we hold so dear. And it was just a really, you know, because there were there were gay themes, right? Like the apostles yeah. were gay, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, and then but none of them had read the play, of course. They had just heard, you know, it's like mm -hmm. Jesus has sex with all of his disciples, and you know, there's all this blasphemous stuff. I was like, that first of all, that wasn't the case, but even if it was, I mean, that's the play. But right. um, but yeah. it wasn't. It was it was much more it was it was Terrence McNally. It was smart, it was interesting, it was funny, and it was careful, like the guy, you know. So anyway, it was I'm sure. Really, yeah. that was really intense. And an amazing cast. Jeremy Seamus, Michael C. Hall. Uh, oh, Josh Josh Lucas, Anson oh, wow. Mount. Crazy. Wow. How long did that show run for? Did it, oh, just a was couple. it an open-ended? No, nope, it was just a, it was a part of their subscription. Mm -hmm. A couple, oh, you know, okay. couple months. So you knew Joe Mantello through that? So I knew Joe Mantello through that. And I think they asked me to, to do, um, to do Wicked Out of Town. And I couldn't do it because I was in another project at the time, I think. And so when it came in, they were making some cast changes and he asked me, they asked me to be a part of it on Broadway, which was very exciting. But I was getting married the weekend before we started rehearsals. Wow. And Joe and my wife were, are still to this day are like very, very close friends. And so he was at our wedding and we were like, we have this honeymoon that we're doing. And Joe Mantello let us go on like a 10-day honeymoon. That's amazing. And I missed first like week and a half, almost two weeks of wow. rehearsal of Wicked. 
that crazy? What a good That's guy. really nice. It was incredible. I can't even believe how cheeky it was that we asked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? that's kind of gutsy, Chris. And Joe is no, you know, he's not easy. Like, you know, he's he'll he'll say what he feels. But oh, yeah. yeah, is that is that in in life and in directing style? Of course, yes, in both. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then you get back from your fabulous honeymoon. And I and, and you're in the wonderful world of Wicked. And I walk in and it's like already grooving and already happening and i don't know we just it was like i i just remember here's some just memories yeah i remember like watching Kristen do popular for the first time and just being like totally in awe of like her timing her clarity her commitment to uh the truth of even though it was very silly and fun it was like it always had her kind of like clarion like detailed truth i just remember adina just blowing the roof off the place it was one of those where i once i kind of joined in i was like wow this is really special and people are very very special in this and then i was like Nessa, oh, Nessa, i've got something to i was like no i'm not doing like you know my stuff's a little you know, it's like, uh, I don't, don't have a lot to do, but I was going to be determined to kind of have a good time and try to make it make some kind of sense. But um, And pivotal yeah. to the Wizard of Oz tie-in, yeah, not true. to spoil the show too much, you know, but... Absolutely. Very, very pivotal. Um, and just so cool how it was also just constructed, this this idea of a prequel to something that we all know so well and all those details... I mean, it was kind of the first of its kind mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah, for sure. And I really remember on the opening night, or no, our first preview. I don't even know if it was our dress, but I think our first preview, being off stage, left with my. I had to wear like a like a thing over my costume to, in the opening number when we all run out and we're like, and she's like, "Nice to see you," or whatever, and we're like, <laughs> "We're looking up." I wore. They turned like. Um, a comforter, a bed comforter into like a, like some kind of robe I could throw over. So I was wearing like a giant comforter going out and looking up. But right before we enter those first chords, bom, 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 and the response from the audience was so deafening. It like, I just remember feeling like the theater was shaking and I, I'm not kidding. In that moment, I was like, this is going to be, this is going to be something very different. And it's going to last forever. And it has. Yeah, here we are still talking about it. Wow. And like some dude standing in that same spot, like tonight, just like yeah. with his bed, with that bed comforter on, getting ready to walk out there and look up. Yeah. So funny. So funny. And so this was, this was all at the Gershwin. So they had done a San Francisco tryout. Is that what it was? Yes. Okay. That, that's true. Do you know anything about the development of Bach in the musical? Like, was there ever any more music for him to sing or any other like story points that were focusing on him? No, not really. It, he was always like kind of as crafted. I mean, there, at one point, Joe was just like, if you want to try to like write a few funny things, like write them and bring them in. Maybe we'll we'll pitch them to Winnie and see if she likes it. So I like had rewritten the first scene. This is an exclusive. You're getting an exclusive right now. No one else has heard this. But it was something, it was so dumb. But it was like, I had this idea of like, what if I entered with a giant gumball? And I was like, hey, Glinda, me and the fellas at the, at the gumdrop gang, instead of the lollipop guild, me and the fellas at the gumdrop gang wanted to welcome you back to school with this giant gumdrop gift if you if you press that 
button it play some traditional munchkin munchkin music she's like oh thank you Bic. i'm like yeah you're welcome it's bach but here press that button and then she was going to press the button it was going to play some music and i was going to do the little the little like munchkin dance that they do with their little like so that was like one little dumb idea i had and then i was going to be like and when he said no and then she said, no, you know, no, these were terrible ideas. I'm not, I'm not saying they're good. I'm just remembering them right now. Uh-huh. The other one was like, Hey, Linda, it's, it's Fox. She's like, Oh, hi, Vic. I'm like, yeah, remember like you and I, I threw up on you in science class. Remember we were dissecting the flugel snoogle or whatever, yeah. or like making up some, we were in Sweeney Oz <laughs> together. Remember I, well, I played the flag and horn and you were the star, but the music munchkin, remember? So dumb. I'm sorry. That's Wait, so I cute. Love that. I love that. <laughs> I especially love you trying to tie in the Munchkin dance mm-hmm. too. That's really fun. There it is. I got. Oh, I wanted to do something physical, something really silly to like announce mm-hmm. the physical, the physicalness of like that. Yeah. But they said no. But now you can just imagine it in your mind. Mm-hmm. Totally. About what that would be. <laughs> um, what do you remember about working with Michelle? We just had a ball. We just laughed all the time. We just like, we also were kind of, you know, we were second bananas to all the big bananas. And it was fun to just, we had a lot of sly observations about all the nuttiness going on. I mean, I've been in a lot of new shows and it's just, it's an impossible thing to try to pull off. And so when you're in the middle of it, tempers run hot, people get stressed out, people feel very vulnerable. And it was just like, this was so big. It was it was so much to um, to kind of craft together that I think we just kind of held on to each other. And we were like, let's just like, you know, watch this. And then, of course, I watched her fall in love with Norbert, which was adorable. And uh, <laughs> and then it went on from there. But yeah, we were really good pals and we had a good time just like watching it all happen. And then, you know, nailing our own little spot, you know, nailing our, of course, our moments, if you will. Any bitterness on your end that your other song isn't on the cast album, The Wicked Witch of the East, the two of you get that duet. Well, there's like, it's sort of oh, yeah. a broken up song. You know, it's like yeah. a different little, they didn't include no, it. They didn't include it, but that's okay. I'm I'm really okay with it. You're okay with it. And that. in fact, I haven't, I, haven't thought, I haven't thought about it until you just <laughs> mentioned it right now. <laughs> Sorry to dig up trauma. <laughs> here's some, Here's an interesting thing. I've never seen it. And I think we're going to go for the 20th anniversary and go see it. But I never actually sat in the audience and watched the show. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Everyone I talk to who sees it recently or in the last 20 years, one thing that is very clear is that it has been maintained beautifully. And that's a variety of people that have made sure that happened. Mm -hmm. Lisa Leguio and Joe and David and all all the players. But, like, it's every time people go, they're just like, it's just still it still works it still bangs it's still like a great evening um and a great spectacle which i just think is which is really important you know and and cool that's special i mean you mentioned your one son goes to LaGuardia, so has he ever seen it is he a theater kid he's not he's music he does uh instrumental music yeah okay i wasn't sure neither kid i mean they love to go to opening nights okay they had a great (laughs) time at kimberly oh my god it was hilarious richard ridge thought uh my wife came out at one point and there was another kid standing there and like do you guys know who richard ridge is mm-hmm, yeah from broadway yeah. oh yeah. yeah yes so she comes out and she was like oh there's charlie she was walking up to charlie but it was another kid 
And the only person who knew that it wasn't Charlie's back was to her was Richard Ridge. <laughs> and right as she got there, the kid turned and she was like, oh. she kind of recoiled and turned and there was Richard. And he goes, that's not your son. That's not your son. <laughs> that's no. so him. Oh, that's, that's I am so obsessed funny. with that. I was going to say, do you know if your kids have any favorite roles of yours over the years? I don't know. I think growing up here in this household, they're very supportive. They're really cool. But it's just, I don't know. They just are kind of like, yeah, it's this is what mom and dad do. It's not really, um, I don't know. Uh, I yeah. think they're, they're just, they're just pretty present for what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, listen, you've had a lot of credits, a lot of amazing things you've done. We've gotten to touch on a few of them. If you wouldn't mind just indulging us, if we just list off a show, and if you share with us a memory or just a general reaction to your experience of being in that show before we... Oh, man. I know. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I'm ready. I'm curious I'm ready. about Young Frankenstein. Oh, man. Just insane cast. Like, everybody was just so funny and so bananas. Working with Mel Brooks was just so such a dream and enormous, enormous show. Mm -hmm. My son was born two weeks into rehearsals. Oh, um, that was a lot. Again, that was a big chocolate cake moment. It was like, wow, I'm doing this big part in this show, and this is a big moment. And I have, you know, this brand new human being um, that is uh, so wonderful at home. So it was like, it was a lot going on. But oh man, it was it was so fun. It just it and it just got more and more fun as we loosened up into it. Especially Roger and I. We just misbehaved a lot, which was really fun. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What about Chicago? I had a, such a good time doing that show. The the kind of professionalism of those dancers and the commitment that they have to to that story. And again, it was like you walk out there and that band starts to play those horns and that score and you just are, you're just right there. It was a really cool opportunity to both play Amos and Billy Flynn. I mean, I never pictured myself ever playing a part like Billy Flynn. What should you do first? Amos. Okay. Yeah. And um, at one point I was at some opening night for something and Barry Weisler saw him and he was like, Hey, I was thinking about you. I think you should come in and play Billy Flynn. And I was like, what mini Flynn? I, that seems crazy. And he was like, no, you can <laughs> do it like Flynn. a Jimmy Cagney type of guy, you know? And, huh. and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll... and I just remember I got there and, and they bought me a new suit or they like got a new suit for me. And everyone was like, Whoa, that must mean they're really excited that you're here because you got a new suit, not uh -huh. one of these suits. And it's like, you know, like a rack of dusty suits down in the basement. But I just, I, I'm not kidding. I had a ball doing it. it you, it's such a, it's such an amazingly crafted story that is just so rich and like you could just dig into so many delicious things in it. Oh, yeah. That's great. Okay. Wait. Um, Finian's Rainbow. Um, we, t we touched on it earlier. It was that, mm -hmm. it was that score. It was also such a wonderful company of people. Um, I had such a good time with that company. I was on the same floor as Chuck Cooper. And I just remember I had two kids at that point and I was like, oh man, I was like, they were, they were both going through it. Like Emmett was a baby and was like, you know, not sleeping and crying. And Charlie was going through stuff. And I was just like, oh, Chuck, this is so hard. And Chuck had two older kids. And he's like, don't worry, man. It gets different. Just remember him saying that. Thing. Um, but uh, <laughs> and, and that was like, that, you got Tony nominated for that one, right? I did. Yeah. And yeah. it closed also. 
You know, oh. it closed, I think, in February or, or January. I think it was that year that a lot of things closed. Yeah, because it was 2000. Yeah, 2008, 2009. Right during, right, kind of following the whole um, shutdown, the whole. Yeah, right. you, know, you guys were younger then, but. I remember um, it happening, <laughs> yeah. During the recession and then everything. Yeah, exactly. Did you expect to get a Tony nomination for Finian's Rainbow? Like, were you winning any precursors or like, cause it had, it had closed. And then were you kind of like on Tony morning, like, oh, maybe it'll happen. I think I was completely not even remotely understanding of anything at that point. <laughs> yeah. The show had closed and I just was like completely. And then I got nominated for a drama desk and we went to the drama desks. And I remember sitting there with my wife and we were like, just being silly and just chatting. And then she was like, you know, you might win. Do you have something to say? And I was like, I'm not going to win. Like, come on. I'm not going to win. I don't care. Like, no. And then suddenly they were like, Christopher Cheryl. And I was like, oh, God, I got to. And it, it was that moment of like, I'm speaking in front of people. This feels so scary. But yes, it was. Uh, yeah, I had no idea. It was lovely. It was lovely. Okay. And then Waitress. Wow. Well, the first thing I think about when I think about Waitress is my friend Nick Cordero, who is my dressing roommate. And uh, I miss him so much. He passed away during the uh, the early part of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And um, a great story there was we were, I had done a few readings of it, but I had never put it on its feet. And so we got into the rehearsal and it was kind of a new cast. And I, don't know, I felt like a little, I was just a little like, I knew Drew really well and we were hitting it off, but like, I didn't know anyone else. And I just was kind of like, oh, just kind of touching through. And I did my number for the first time and just like worked through it and, and came off. And sat down and sat down next to Nick. And he was just like, man, that shit's amazing. <laughs> he was like, you're going to win a Tony for that. And I was like, thanks, man. And then we just became really good pals. Um, not because of that, but it was just like, he just extended himself in that moment because I was so vulnerable. I didn't know if it was, oh, by the way, I'm not telling the story right. So I did the number in the room and nobody laughed. Like it was <laughs> dead silent. So when I sat down, I was like, what's happening this is like dead this is this is not gonna work yeah he leaned over and was like dude that shit's amazing don't worry about it <laughs> this uh, was i love you like a, a table no this was um i will never let you let me leave yeah yes okay you're right okay yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever the name <laughs> the, of the titles that sarah gave these songs are hilarious you're, you're never getting yeah. rid of me never getting rid of me that's it sorry <laughs> that how about was, that i don't even know the name of the song well nick was right that was a tour de force number you always had me in stitches the half dozen times i saw it and you should have won a tony for that for sure mm-hmm. well thank you i appreciate that it was uh that was the hamilton year that's when was. that was and so that was that was so exciting though i have to say like being in a show during a time when hamilton came on the scene was also just really exciting because Again, that's what I'm hoping this season coming up yeah. is like. It just, there was so much life in New York and life in the Broadway community. And it was like we were hitting some kind of zeitgeist where the rest of the country, the rest of the world was talking about what we do because mm-hmm. it was had such an impact. That's what Lynn did. And um, so that was just really exciting. That's um, such a good point. Like- Wow. Okay. All of a sudden you're talking about Lynn. I'm like, why have you not been King George in the Hamilton yet? I don't know. I think I've just been just the the stars haven't aligned. They will. They will. All right. I've done it like in my bedroom many times. (laughs) I'm Um, sure it's amazing. Not in a kinky way. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) You're getting dressed and like looking in the mirror and stuff. You'll be back 
Um, yeah, exactly, yes. exactly. Just just like for myself. Yeah. Of course, of course. Now, what can we expect from Spamalot? I know that we're wrapping up here, but I'm just curious what audiences are in store for. So I haven't even really started yet. They did it mm-hmm. out of town in D.C., but from what I gather from we did a we have like a photo session, like a like a photo shoot where we all put costumes on. And it was just one of those like experiences where it, it, we already were just leapt right into this kind of energy. Or I felt like I joined their energy, which was so they're just riffing on each other. Everyone's like so jazzed up to do it and had such a ball, I think, doing it in D.C., and so it's just like, it's an incredible group of people that are so, they're just so like poised mm. to just go for it. And I'm really excited. I mean, I'm just really excited. I don't really know what to expect sure. other than just diving right in and just seeing what's there and playing with everybody. Yeah. And you've got an amazing role. It's going to be so phenomenal. We are wrapping up. We got to let you go. But we do like to end with a dose of drama. Connor, can you really quickly tee that up? Yeah. You know, a dose of drama is just that something that's on your mind. The drama that you've been consuming, thinking about, want to rant about, rave about. And I am feeling dramatic about something. I did binge an entire season of Love Island in like four days, which was 50 episodes, which is too many episodes to watch in four days. But I was recovering from COVID at the time. You were stricken down. I'm feeling dramatic because it felt like one of those watershed reality TV seasons that you only get every couple years, you know, season three (laughs) of Love Island UK. And I feel like I'll never forget those people and the experiences we shared in the villa and the love we shared. Uh, I'm feeling feeling moody about it, that it's over, but I can always revisit it anytime. That's Um, the beauty of it. Thank you for encouraging me to watch, Dylan. All right, do you have a dose of drama, Dylan? Yes, my dose of drama is I have finally caved and watched Peaky Blinders. I'm really enjoying it. And the writing is absolutely phenomenal. And Killian Murphy is phenomenal. Chris, do you have a dose of drama for us today? Okay. I saw the other night, somehow like my wife read about it. And then we had to watch an episode. It was called Naked Attraction. Naked Attraction. (laughs) Just read about it today. It was so intense. (laughs) It's like, it's just taking reality television to its, final either like nirvana or total <laughs> death knell. like it's basically a dating show where someone comes out and, and 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 naked bodies are revealed like five naked people are slowly revealed and then that person just gets to objectify them and then be like i like their butt or i like their crotch or i like whatever and then they finally see their faces and then they one at a time pick them off. They're just standing there naked. And it's men and women, right? It's men and women. And okay. then and then that person who gets to pick gets down to two people. And then they have to take their clothes off. And then they come out naked. And then they're all looking at each other naked. And then they kind of finally pick the the final person. It was so intense. I was my neck was so like hot and red, <laughs> just thinking about it. And then I was on the subway today and I was looking around. And I was like, everyone, because then they put on clothes later and you're like, oh my God, it's so much better when they just have clothes on. It's more relaxed. Everyone's <laughs> just like calmer. But it was like, everyone's naked under their clothes and everyone looks so crazy. <laughs> yeah. You're hysterical. You know, Matt Doyle came on our show a couple of weeks ago and he also plugged that show. So th- there's something in the in the water with you company revival kids that uh... well i'm not plugging that show at all <laughs> no i'm not saying i'm just saying that was a drama for me that is okay drama. oh yes that is it drama. was it was real drama 
Well, Chris, you're a delight. This was so much fun. Oh my gosh, you guys are a delight. I just love talking about all this stuff. And I, uh, it's fun to talk with people who also really love it, you know? We totally. do. Now, everyone will be able to see you in Spamalot, and I'm sure you'll be doing so many more things over the years, but they should follow along. You're at Kiffer Fitz on Twitter and at the Christopher Fitzgerald on Instagram. Yeah. You don't right? have to follow. Don't follow me on stupid Twitter. Okay. <laughs> We're X. focusing on Instagram yeah. these days. And Connor and I are at the drama podcast. Connor's at Connor McDowell. I am at Dylan McDowell. Thank you again for joining us today, Chris. All right. It's really nice to see you guys. And I'm just, all I'm doing is waiting for the moment. It's okay, coming. Well, it's listen, coming. Connor, I will see you next time. Drama. <laughs> You're never going to do it again without I know. aware now. You're always going to be like, are we in sync? Are we harmonizing? Like, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs>